Bibles and turn them uh, to Matthew chapter 1, and we will go ahead and uh, dismiss our junior church age here. Um, actually, let's go ahead and keep them in here. Let, can we want to keep them in here? Stop talking. I have more great jokes, young people. Let's keep them in here at this time. Come on up here. This would be good for y'all. If we if we have some on listen, if we have some on the border age, um, we can we can take them into the uh, nursery age there, um, if you'd like to do that. But we'll keep the older ones in here for this morning here, and uh, we need to learn how to be good fathers. And so we're going to have a lesson on that here this morning. I'm going to do my best, in spite of myself, to teach on that. Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, and let's all stand. Let's all stand as we uh, turn there, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm, I'm, glad, that they, I'm glad that they like junior church so much. That's awesome. They're a little disgusted by their pastor, but that's, that'll, that'll be all right for one day. I'm glad that y'all like that. You uh, grin and bear it, okay, for the next hour. It'll turn into longer if you don't, okay? Matthew chapter 1, and beginning in verse number 19, we're going to see here. I like the song comes on occasionally. We've attempted to sing it in here. Uh, I like the song, uh, Good, Good Father, and it portrays, obviously, um, talking about our Heavenly Father, uh, we're going to see some character traits here from a particular father and an earthly father, uh, though here, an adoptive father of, um, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to see some character traits of a good father, and we are scarce for uh, good fathers in our country uh, today. We need to work at that. It ought to be our goal as fathers to uh, want to develop into good fathers. We're going to see some of that here uh, this morning, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 19, the Bible says this, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the Son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took on him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for your goodness and grace, your love for us, and all you do for us. Thank you for being, Lord, I think good is insufficient, Lord, to describe how awesome you are. You're great, Lord, and there, I don't know that there's an, an amount of words, Lord, that can that can ultimately describe your infinite goodness and, and greatness to us. 
But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be more like you. I pray that we'd be further along as a result of having opened your word and gathered around. And, and Lord, we thank you for the fathers that are here. Lord, most importantly, we thank you for you as Heavenly Father that we can have when we come to know you as our personal Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, do work as only you can. Empty me of sin and self. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd fill uh, the listeners here as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This man, Joseph, of course, I think this is a familiar passage. I feel like that I preached uh, through this during Christmas time and, and such many times. But And so we're familiar with the story, and, and the focal point is always that of Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Um, we want to kind of examine here a particular character in the life of Jesus in this story and see this man named Joseph. Joseph, of course, was the, uh, he wasn't the father of Jesus, amen, uh, but I'd say that he was the adoptive father, the father figure that God, Heavenly Father, allowed to be the influence in the life of uh, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He was known as the committed man that was betrothed to Mary. Uh, they had not yet been fully married, if that makes sense. They were in the betrothal state, or the espoused, I'm sorry. He was the, uh, Mary was the espoused wife of Joseph. And so they hadn't uh, consummated the marriage, and there had not been a physical relationship that had taken place in uh, the uh, steps of the process of the Jewish uh, wedding ceremony there. But uh, um, Joseph was the earthly father figure uh, to the child of Jesus. Of course, we know that he was not the biological father of Jesus. To have been so would have made Jesus an inherent sinner. How many realize Jesus did not have a, he, was, he did not have a biological father? Raise your hand if you understand that, okay? That was the way he could be the, 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 the savior uh, for the sin, as the, the sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. That's how he could be the spotless lamb of God. The fact that he he did not have a sin nature passed on down to him. Uh, and the way was that uh, Mary was a virgin. She did not have a physical relationship with a man uh, prior to the birth of Jesus. And so uh, to, to, to understand that is critical. That is one of the fundamentals of the faith of what we believe uh, Scripture teaches and that's how Jesus is sinless. That's how he is perfect. And so young people, old folks as well, we need to understand that critical doctrine uh, of the Bible. Uh, from the reading between the lines here in our passage here, uh, we, we don't know a lot about uh, Joseph uh, necessarily. But reading between the lines, I believe that Joseph possessed some uh, very uh, profound, some very awesome character traits that I think we often miss or maybe don't understand regarding being a good father. I think that Joseph was probably every bit as important, uh, if I can say that, 
uh, in the life of Jesus as even Mary uh, to a certain extent. Obviously, Mary was the, was the, was the physical uh, vessel that God used uh, to, to birth uh, the Savior, uh, but Joseph was nevertheless very influential in the life of Jesus as well. And so I want us to understand that, and I want us to consider this morning some character traits of a good, good father uh, as well as an adoptive father, as well as an adoptive father. Does anybody out there this morning have somebody that would consider somebody that wasn't your biological father, somebody that was very influential in your life to you? Maybe somewhat of an adoptive father. Anybody like that? Maybe it could be a coach, could be an uncle, uh, and uncles, you have a very uh, uh, strong influence in the life of of your uh, your nephews and nieces. We uh, Uncle Carl came over the other day, and uh, Uncle Carl got to spend some extra time with him somehow. When Uncle left, little uh, Kyler was walking around. Unto, where's Unto? Unto, and it's cute. He's starting to be able to pronounce. Uh, the words a little better, know what he's talking about before he's just like gibberish. And, and you know, that's the frustrating stage. You want to help them, but you don't know what they're, what they're talking about. But anyway, um, so <clears throat> all that to say, um, the influence that we can have, whether we're blood-related or not, is very, is very strong. Coaches, you got a lar- large responsibility. Uncles, you have a great responsibility. Teachers, you have a great responsibility. Christian man, you have a great responsibility to influence that next generation. It's not just about us, but we have, uh, we have a very strong influence in the life of people that uh, we come across uh, two. And so let's consider that here uh, this morning. But I want you to understand some of these character traits of a good father from the life of Joseph, uh, the adoptive father of Jesus. Number one, I want you to understand, I want us to see here that he obeyed God faithfully. A good father obeys God. Amen? A good father realizes who his marching orders come from and realizes that God is the one that truly matters in his life. My God, uh, I like the hat that I've seen some people wear or even T-shirts that says, uh, my, my boss is a Jewish carpenter, all right? Uh, that's, a, that's a profound statement there. Yes, my boss is God. And when your boss is somebody, you got to receive their orders. you got to obey their orders and do what the boss says, and God is the boss. We see that Joseph obeyed God. He obeyed God faithfully. Several times, Joseph, this man, this uh, physical character, he received a visit from the angel of the Lord in a dream. And uh, this angel instructed him several different times. He instructed him to do some difficult tasks in his life. Uh, He was uh, commanded to stay with Mary, who was pregnant uh, with a child that wasn't his own. Now, that would have been a very difficult thing, I think, of uh, not just in our day and age that we live in, uh, but the same, uh, you know, stereotype, the same judgment would have been passed upon Joseph as well when they realized uh, that Mary was with a child, but they hadn't fully uh, consummated their marriage. But Joseph obeyed. Joseph obeyed God. And uh, later, uh, after uh, Joseph was uh, told to stay with Mary through this situation, he was instructed to flee with her and to take the child from Egypt 
uh, take the child to Egypt, rather, and uh, to protect him. But I want you to notice with me his steadfast obedience. Look at verse number 22 of our passage, verse 22. Look at the wording here. It says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him, notice that, that's what I wanted us to see here. Verse 24, Joseph being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, adults in here, consider, consider what was going on. Um, an angel appears to you. Men, put yourself in the scenario. An angel appears to you and says, your woman, who you're going to be fully married to, uh, is expecting a child. But you stay with her. You take care of her. And uh, there's, she, she's, she's going to be expecting here, and, and uh, there are going to be people, you know, maybe that pass some judgment here, and, and all of these different details that needed to be worked out, a whole nine months is going to have to pass before you uh, finally, uh, you know, have that uh, consummation of the, uh, of the marriage there. How difficult that might have been, huh? I think of, uh, I think of uh, uh, folks that are engaged for long periods of time. That can be, that can be uh, you know, trying and, and, and stuff, and especially when you're older. Uh, but anyways, he obeyed. He obeyed his God. And so put yourself in his shoes to receive a message like this. Yes, it was an angel that gave the message, but there are a whole lot of repercussions uh, to consider. I'd be thinking, you know, she's a cheater. She, she went out on me. She was unfaithful to me. Well, Joseph was obedient uh, to the Lord. And uh, he went ahead and obeyed God. And he stayed with her. And he obeyed God. And uh, when, he was in, when it was an extremely difficult situation, and it was a very difficult circumstance to believe and understand, he went ahead and believed God and obeyed God. Did I say something wrong, Don? Oh, <laughs> Um, he obeyed God. He's looking at me like, Oh, you shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry if I'd said something, I'll go back and listen to it. But anyway, um, he obeyed the Lord. He was obedient to do what God wanted him to do in a difficult situation. And folks, uh, men and good fathers, we obey God, uh, through the difficult situations of life. And let me tell you, there's probably, uh, there, there's, there's oftentimes there can be a lot of difficult situations in life. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. In this uh, story here, a few uh, years later, uh, Joseph experiences two more dreams. And one of them uh, was letting him know uh, it was safe to leave Egypt. That's in uh, uh, verses 19 through 21. And then another instructing him where to settle in, and in Galilee, in verse number 22. And in all four times that the angel instructed him, in all four times that God told him to do something that was difficult, he, he obeyed in faith. A good father obeys in faith. There have been many a time 
that I haven't known what to do. I'd wondered if I was making the right decision, uh, but it goes back to resting in the word of God. If God says to do something, then do it, and you can rest assuredly that you'll come, you'll come out on the right side of the situation. Fathers here this morning, I want to ask us, are we examples of obedience to God? Does our spouse know that we obey God? Uh, do your peers know that you obey God, that he is the primary boss, that he is the primary order giver in your life? Do your kids know that you obey God? A good, good father obeys God. Second character trait that I want you to notice here this morning from our passage is that he was a just man. The Bible says that Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus, was a just man. Now, what is a just man? Does anybody have an answer to that? What's the definition of a just man? The word just means this. It means innocent. It means faultless, whose way of thinking is wholly conformed to the will of God and who therefore needs no rectification in the heart or life, only Christ. Joseph was a just man. He was a just man that desired to obey God, and as a result of his obedience, that helped him to be a just man. Uh, despite facing humiliation among his people, despite facing humiliation am among, among his peers, among friends, among people that didn't understand, uh, people that didn't believe in the Lord Jehovah, he was a just man. Although at first, let me say this, we understand that at first he had a, he had a different uh, thought of what he was uh, thinking about doing. What did the Bible say that he was going to do at first? He was going to put her away privily. He was going to quietly uh, put her away, quietly put her off, divorce her. I think that we can uh, use that terminology there uh, because of uh, being unfaithful, uh, possibly. And, uh, but it says, Joseph, being a just man, thought to put her away privily. The Bible says in verse number 19, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Mary, after, uh, after learning of her pregnancy, his plan was to put her away privily or privately. And it stemmed, I think, from a kind and compassionate heart that wanted to protect her. Joseph was a just man. Joseph was a good man, an upright man, and, and he feared God. And, and uh, he wanted to do uh, what was the kind and compassionate. Yes, you betrayed me, but I'm going to put you away privately because I still do care for you. I still have compassion on you, and I still love you. But uh, he was a just man. And some character traits of a good father, number one is that we obey God. Number two is that we be just men, innocent, faultless, whose way of thinking is wholly conformed to the will of God. Men, are we just men? Do we desire to be just men? Number three, number three, a third character trait from this man of God, this adoptive father of God, is that he was a fixer. He was a fixer. He was a builder. He was a repairer. Now, yesterday we had some fun, and uh, some got to do more demo than others, 
And uh, Dave was uh, having a really good time of doing that. I know he had some help in there. Uh, he was in there yanking out. Jay almost got hit by one of those big old cabinets as I was coming around the corner there, and he's janking it off the wall, and we had a time of demo day, and and I can enjoy that. I liked, uh, I like throwing, I like throwing rocks at bottles, and I like breaking bottles. I like breaking glass. Remember when I was little in Newberry Springs, California? I got, I think, I don't know, if it was my first BB gun or not, but I had a BB gun. I told you this story, I think, before. But I was out during the day walking in the desert there, and I came to this pond, and I was out there shooting birds and uh, beautiful birds. They have these red, uh, orangish things on their wings here. They're black with orange uh, feathers on their, on their wings there. I was out there shooting birds, and, and I got bored, and I came back to the, uh, to the mobile home, to the trailer there. And I went underneath our old international scout, and I was hunkered down in sniper position, and I was just peering out underneath that, um, that uh, scout international there and uh, looking for things that might be good targets. I came across the glass window of the, uh, the camper, and I had a lot of time to mull it over. And, you know, sometimes when you're, when, what is it, what is the phrase, idle Idle hands is the devil's playground or something of that nature. When you, huh? Idle mind. So I had some idleness going on. I had, I had some time to consider. And, and I was thinking, I wonder if, I wonder if it'll reach that glass door over there, even. I wonder if it did, what would it do? And so after a long time of mulling it over, I finally inched and pulled the trigger and I watched that BB go in slow motion to that window in an arch, kind of like a rainbow, but it hit perfectly on that glass window. And then if you didn't know, now you know, it literally, they, they will shatter, okay? It would shatter in millions of pieces. There was a little piece, a little hole there, and then it just looked like, it just totally shattered. It wasn't one little uh, peck hole through it there, uh, but it shattered and I think mom and dad were in there, uh, if I remember correctly. A few minutes later, they come out, two people peep their head through, and I'm still underneath the, the scout there, hunkered down now, thinking, oh, man, what did I just do? And mom and dad are out, and they yell, Sam! <laughs> and I don't remember the repercussions or anything like that. I think I got mercy and grace. I don't remember being spanked. I don't remember having to pay for the window there, uh, but I want you to know that if anything like that ever happens, there will be spankings and there will be reparations uh, financially, okay? Um, so what am I talking about here? We're talking about destruction, right? We're talking about destruction, and we're talking about demo, and, and all that to say character traits of a good father. Yes, it's fun to destroy things. Yes, it's, it's fun to break stuff. It's fun to, at the uh, youth meeting that we had uh, some time ago, uh, brother, some of us took, uh, when you were having the ladies meeting, uh, some of us were able to go over to a neighboring church there that called last minute and invited us. They had a, a little youth meeting, but they had a, a truck that they towed from a, uh, from a, uh, from a uh, junkyard, and uh, they had an opportunity to take the sledgehammers and, and bash that truck, that old trailblazer, I think it was, with the hammer, knock off the bumper, and Michael uh, Noyless, he, he took the bumper home as a souvenir of his destruction. 
Um, but, uh, <clears throat> but destruction can be fun. But I want to say this, a, a godly person, a, a good, good father, a, a, a good father is a builder. A good, uh, a good father is a fixer. A good father is a repairer. And you got a little bit of the uh, tools there to help aid in that uh, there uh, for us fathers. Uh, he wasn't destructive. And I think there's a time for things to do that and have fun and, and all that. But we're not going through our lives all the time destroying things and, and demo day every day. No, he was a repairer. He built up. He fixed up and he repaired things. The Bible tells us that he was a carpenter. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, the Bible says this, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, uh, James and Joseph and Simon and, and Judas. Joseph was a carpenter. What do carpenters do? Are they always demoing? No, they're not always demoing. What are they doing? They're building, they're fixing, they're creating, and, and they're being used to build up. And a good father is a builder, a builder of several things. He built and fixed stuff. He taught the trade to Jesus as well. He was a human instrument that taught Jesus how to build, how to fix and repair. And it's easy to destroy things, to break stuff, but it takes character and skill to be a builder. Society today is full of brokenness. It's full of destruction and, and destructiveness. It's full of broken things. We need some godly men, some godly fathers, by the grace of God, that'll do some building in lives, that'll build marriages, that'll build our children, that'll build our churches in righteousness, that'll build men, and uh, not just be so excited about tearing things down. Yeah, demo day is fun, but let's have many more days of building up. Now, building requires some tools, and a good father will teach that younger generation the importance of having and using the right tools. A common tool for a carpenter, I think of, what do you think? I think of a saw, I think of a, a hammer. My grandpa taught me how to drive a nail. That was a, that's a skill. That's a skill we ought to be teaching our, that younger generation. You know, what's so hard about that? Well, it can be hard if you smash your finger. And be hard if you're uh, if you don't get it in right the first time and and uh, tap it in there a little bit until you get really skilled and and I've known some that can take that nail and and just barely put it in there and then whack that hammer and and we need to have a, a nail driving contest in the near future one of our men's activities that we do. Um, <clears throat> But I can, can nail that in there. My grandpa taught me how to do that. I remember my grandpa was away, and I was at my grandma and grandpa's house one time. They had this shed where all the work tools and everything was. And, and he had taught me. I'd done some roofing jobs with him. Just, you know, I was the tag along. I thought I did the jobs and stuff. He probably was just, you know, putting up with me and, and uh, you know, uh, humoring me while uh, I was so young. But I remember I wanted to do something special for him. And inside that shed there, uh, I remember that he had different tools, a bunch of screwdrivers, obviously, and, and a toolbox with different things. And, and I thought it would be cool. I came up with a great idea to take a drill. And he had a workbench, wooden workbench. And I took that drill, put a bit in there, and I learned how to use a drill. And so I was taking the drill, and I was drilling holes in the, in the front part of that workbench there. I would drill the holes big enough so that I could stick the tools in there. So the front of that workbench there, if you can imagine, here, here's the front of the workbench. Drill a hole, drill a hole, drill a hole. As many tools as he had, I would take and drill holes and uh, put a screwdriver there, 
screwdriver there, screwdriver there, screwdriver there. And so you came into the, to the shed there, and all these different tools were sticking out of the front of the, of the, uh, the workbench there. And uh, that was a blessing. I tried to be a blessing to my grandpa that day. When I came the next time, all of those tools were put back in their proper places, and there were holes in the front bench. And so I learned that he didn't appreciate it. But... <laughs> But I learned what WD-40 was from my grandpa. I learned about some valuable tools from my grandpa, and I learned, learned what duct tape was somewhere. We got a picture where my grandpa had watched me when I was still in diapers, and, and he had to change my diaper. And so, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess he didn't know how to do it. Uh, when they came back, I was wrapped. I had my diaper wrapped around and duct tape on me there. So I got a picture somewhere with that somewhere. But... But uh, I learned that uh, if you're going to get the job done, you need the right tools. And I learned that a workman needs good tools. Uh, I learned that a good repairman and someone who's going to build up needs proper tools. I, I learned about lifetime warranties on craftsman tools. And, and uh, all the, they can, the, there's a lot more expensive ones out there, but those will get the job done, and they got lifetime warranties. And uh, all the tools that I mentioned are good, but if we're going to repair some lives, if we're going to build some lives spiritually, uh, we've got a main tool that we have to use, and, and we need to show that next generation, and it's the Word of God here. Amen. Young people, the answer to problems is going to be found here. The answer to life's most important questions is found in the Word of God. That's the greatest tool that we could share that next generation. Character traits of a good father is that he obeyed God faithfully. He was a just man. He was a builder. He was a fixer. He was a repairer. And then number four, and probably most importantly, he loved Jesus. Joseph loved Jesus, thus making him a good father. Through the Bible, it never says this directly, but <clears throat> I want you to consider a familiar story in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 47. You don't, you don't stay around as the adoptive father for you know, a long period of time. There, I don't, we don't know exactly. I don't know exactly how, uh, how, um, how old uh, Joseph was when he passed away, but we don't, we don't see him involved towards the time of the resurrection. We don't see him there uh, toward uh, the time of the crucifixion, rather. But um, in this passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 47, and Mary and Joseph had started their return home to Nazareth from Jerusalem after the Passover, but they soon realized they had lost track of Jesus. And verse number 47, it says, we're familiar with this. I know I preached from it before, but it says, And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And so Jesus, in that story, corrects Mary, his mother, and refers to his true father, which is, which it's critical in the point of the story, yes, but... I also believe there was a deep pain and concern that Joseph was, had experienced because the Bible says they sought him sorrowing. They lost the child. They lost him, and it was, what was it, a whole day that, before they realized that uh, Jesus was gone, but um, we had the opportunity to go to a Cubs game, escape the heat, 
Now, this is another story, but uh, so I use, many of you know that our AC has been down, uh, but two days in particular, it was down, and the thermostat wasn't working. The fan wouldn't even work. So Krista's uncle had come. I think it was Friday. We're waiting for him. He's an HVAC guy from Southern Illinois, and uh, he's going to give us a good deal on a new one here. We still need a new one, but uh, Uncle Jay came looking at our, uh, our unit, <clears throat> and I took him to where the furnace was, and uh, two days before, I had asked Chris to go to go take pictures of the label on the, uh, so he could see some of the specs of the furnace. So Krista did that. One of the ways you got to do that, though, you got to take off the front hatch. And if you take off the front hatch, there's a button there that if you don't get it pushed back on properly, the blower doesn't work. And so for two days, we had nothing. And I'm thinking, man, this is pretty serious. And I said, oh, I'll show you where the furnace is, Uncle Jay. I took him over there and opened the cabinet there and noticed that that door didn't get pushed on there properly. And so for two days, having no furnace, it's because it didn't get, we didn't want the furnace, but no blower for the AC uh, because that door didn't get shut properly there. And so um, why did I tell you this exactly? Not sure. Other than to let you know uh, the blooper there from my wife. Oh, we went to a Cubs game. And uh, one of my ding-dong sons ends up getting lost. I thought he was in the restroom there. Um, I guess they didn't have enough, enough time to We got very cheap ticket seats. They're not doing well. So uh, you can get cheap tickets during this time. Um, <clears throat> but... We lost one. I didn't realize we lost them until later. My wife was the one that realized that we lost them. Uh, but the security guy had brought them over uh, to us. And as a kind of a cool souvenir remembrance thing, uh, the security guy gave them a baseball from the field there. And so that was a nice thing to do. But there have been times when there have been times when we've lost uh, children, and I've I've been worried. I wasn't worried this time because I didn't know. But <laughs> but. Uh, I believe that Joseph was worried because he had lost uh, the Son of God. He lost Jesus, the one that he had been entrusted uh, to care for. Uh, but it says here, uh, they sought him sorrowing. And so Jesus, he corrects Mary and refers to his true father. Uh, but I also believe there was a deep pain and concern that Joseph experienced as he was sorrowing when he couldn't find his adoptive son, uh, Jesus. And uh, God had entrusted uh, uh, Jesus to Joseph there under his care. And Joseph had come to love Jesus. And a character trait of a good father is that he loves Jesus as well. We're not just talking about our children, but we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God. I want to ask you this morning, fathers, could it be said about you that you love Jesus? Future fathers in here this morning, could it be said that you love Jesus. I mean, wholeheartedly. Uh, it, it goes back to the very first point, obedience to God. Yeah, we want to be obedient to God. And by the way that we show our obedience to God is that we keep his commands. We obey him. That's how we show uh, God that we love him. Can it be said that you love Jesus? Our society is lacking love from godly fathers today. 
It's lacking fathers who love Jesus, but it's also lacking a godly, with a godly agape love, an unselfish love. Did you know this, that 85% of all youth sitting in a prison today grew up in fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from, from fatherless homes. 75% of, of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. We need to love our children. We need to love our youth and, and uh, our young people. But not only that, we need to go beyond that, and we need to love uh, that next generation as well. I believe our church does a great job of rallying around and, and trying to uh, love <clears throat> others that may not have that father figure. And we try to include everybody the best uh, that we can there. And, and uh, oftentimes with no uh, reward or benefit or reciprocation of care uh, from those we try to reach out to and we try to love. But we need men that will commit to be loving fathers. We need some young men that will commit to be godly, uh, loving fathers in the future. There's a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become estranged. They had gotten into some arguments and didn't always see eye to eye, and they got into a fight, and the son ran away, and the father set off to find him after a while. The father searched for months and months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. In the ad, the father wrote this. It said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. On that Saturday, there were 800 Pacos that showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. We need to love, folks. We need to love that generation coming up. Some young people out there that, I mean, we need, we need, wish we had a bus route, wish we had ministries going out more than we do there are those yeah maybe they do have uh maybe they do have both mom and dad at home but they don't have that spiritual father they don't have that spiritual father that's so desperately needed to show them the things of god first of all to show them salvation but then to show them true meaning of life and how uh the purpose in life to fear god to love god to live for him. And though it's likely that Joseph didn't live long enough to see Jesus' public ministry, this is the last time the Bible mentions Joseph, and Scripture doesn't record anything to indicate otherwise, but God chose this man, Joseph, a man of integrity, to be the earthly adoptive father to his son, Jesus. It was a job that took humility it was a job that took obedience, hard work, and love. It was a behind-the-scenes yet mountainous task and one that Joseph embraced as a good father. I want to encourage us fathers, let's be some good fathers. 
just be good fathers to our children, and then let's attempt to be good fathers as we share the gospel with others, as we disciple them for the cause of Christ, and try to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for being there for me. Even when I didn't realize it, God, you're always there. You're waiting for me to come to you. You're waiting for me to come get into your family so that I could call you my own. And thank you for treating me as if I was your own, even sometimes your one and only. Or, but I know that's not the case. I know you love all. I thank you for the sacrifice you made in sending your son to be the payment for the sins of all mankind. Or may I take that to heart? May I realize that? May I realize that there are literally millions that have never heard that story and, the, and the, the gravity of the fact that it's my responsibility to share that with others, introducing them to a heavenly father that loves them so very much. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to have our time of invitation here this morning and, and a piano... The piano will play. You go ahead and play, Miss Beth, whenever you're ready. And I want to ask everybody to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and the Word of God has spoken to your heart in some capacity. Maybe there's somebody that God has put on your heart. I think of I think of a coach. A coach is a very influential person in the in in lives. Uh, you say, well, I'm not. Maybe I'm. Maybe you're not a coach. You have influence in somebody's life, maybe a neighbor kid, maybe a relative that is without that influence, or even they may have influence, but God wants to use you to be an influence in that other person's life. God has spoken to your heart in some capacity. Would you come do business with him? Ask him to give you wisdom. Ask him to help you to obey him. Ask you to help him to have compassion and kindness. Kindness.